Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we'll hope you'll come and visit us at our Logansport campus at 3930 East Market Street. Or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution, where Sundays are a party, where the family gets together, and we're always expecting guests. So I'm, I'm joined on stage by uh, a good friend of mine. We've known each other for quite a long time, and I was telling First Service that um, I was 12 or 13 years old helping you fix a fence. Like, that's how well we know each other and the conversations yes. that came from that. Well, yeah, it's a long honking time ago. <laughs> it is a it while was. ago, man. I'm not even going to say how long ago that was, but... Um, but just, just kind of introduce yourself to everybody, kind of how long you've been coming with your wife, Becky, and just what you do here at Revolution. Well, first, I got to find my wife. Where are you at, Becky? Yeah. She, I think she skipped this one. Yeah, she's, oh, she's so good looking. looking. I have to see her before I can get started. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my wife, uh, Becky and I, we've been coming here for around five years, and we are part of a, a life group that meets at our house. Uh, we, we've done that for a, a while now. And uh, my, Becky also, I'm putting a plug in for her. She does a monthly book club as well as a, an occasional women's Bible study. And today I'm starting my journey as a next-gen volunteer. Becky's also in the nursery, by the way. She does a lot more than I do. But I'm a next-gen volunteer starting today, and they got 50 kids in there. So I'm going to make this That's just the last. K to third room. That's just the K to third. I don't, who knows how many yeah, kids yeah, are over yeah, there? Yeah. I'm going to stay in here as long as I can, <laughs> and I'm also part of your uh, church board. Yeah. Thanks so much for all that you do and your wife does, um, leading so many. And uh, thanks for stepping up for Next Gen because that group, like, it's growing exponentially, which is awesome. And um, thanks for stepping up for that. And so many men have been stepping up for Next Gen. Um, so in our board meeting, actually, I think it was last month, uh, we were talking about our Imagine 320 generosity journey, and um, as many of you know that are on this journey with us, you can see on our info card, we update that every week, that we're behind pace, and we've got 10 Sundays, including today, until the end of this journey, and, and we've fallen behind pace, and um, you, you just challenged our board with kind of a story that I think is a great challenge for everybody that's here, that maybe they've made a personal commitment um, and have fallen behind pace or haven't started even, so just, would you mind sharing that story with us? Sure, I can share that. Uh, my wife suggested in our uh, life group that we read the New Testament in 90 days. And that's a, a pretty big undertaking for a lot of people to do that much uh, Bible reading. So I wanted us to do that. I thought that was a good idea. And we thought about it. I'm going to tell our group we're going to read the New Testament in 90 days. But when we started, I wanted the group to not feel condemnation or bad if they would miss a day or miss a week. It was important that they just do the best that they could. That if they, if they miss a, a week, a month, uh, some of that reading, just pick up where you left off and, and do, do what you can. Finish as strong as you could. And I related that to the uh, generosity to giving, um, the Imagine 320 initiative, where a lot of us may have, may have made uh, commitments and we maybe didn't start off as well as we would have liked or we started in and we slowed down in our giving, and it's not really, uh, we want you to 
Continue just to, to pick up where you left off. Just do the best you can. Finish strong. Do what you can with the time that's left. And whatever you do, God can use. And don't let uh, Satan or someone tear you down and feel guilt about uh, where you're at with that process. Again, just finish yeah. strong. Right. I, I, such a great challenge because we want giving to be a cheerful thing that you, like, that we feel honored to do this together as a church, not to be some begrudging thing that brings guilt with it. So just a great challenge that related to your group. So as we're having lunch and kind of talking about some of this, I just ask you the question, so why do you, do you and Becky choose to give? And it was interesting. You, you told me two great stories and of course, you said because it's obedience, but more than that, these stories really connected. So, you you mind telling these stories? I actually told you four stories. Well, you did tell, that's right. And the they two, were all great stories. They were. They okay. were. Two of them were really great. So, just tell us those stories. All four of them were really no, good. Anthony. Okay, okay, you're right. You're right. right. They're God stories, so they're all, all right. really great. I'm sorry, Greg. Just tell us two, though. Yeah, so God has has blessed Becky and I greatly, and. Uh, um, with, with miraculous things he's done in our lives financially. And I, I attribute that to our commitment. I'll go back to 2008. I worked for uh, Trello Borg Automotive in Peru, Indiana, and I was told in May that our plant was going to close. I was also told in May that, or that time, that if I would uh, stick it out till the end, they'd give me a, a nice bonus, but I couldn't go out and find another job. I had to stay there till it closed. So I pulled the family in and said, although my heart wanted to start storing up in case I went a while without a job, that we were going to pull the kids in. We have four of those. And um, told them I wanted to use this as a testimony in their lives to let them see how God would work if we were faithful and honored him with our, our gift of, of tithe and offering. So I said, we're, we're going to we're going to do that all the way through, regardless of the situation. We're going to do that all the way through. So that started in May. That was our confession and our belief. And uh, we went forward, and weeks turned into months, and I'm in early November, and I don't have a job or even a, a promise of a job yet. So I got tested three times, and it was, it's interesting that it was three times, but uh, that's a whole other story. But it was a Sunday, I was going to uh, say, you know, I, I got to start saving. I got I to gotta take this into my own hands. And uh, I made, I said, no, that's not the confession I made. That's not what I told the kids. So I went ahead and, and gave as I said. And then the, that was Sunday, the very next day, Monday, I got a call for a phone interview. Did the phone interview. Didn't hear nothing for a week and a half or so. Again, it's Sunday, and I'm, I'm saying, I'm, i I got to start saving. It's getting close, almost at the end. And um, uh, I said, no, I can't do that. I, I wanted to, but I can't. I, I made this confession. I, I'm going to trust God. So I made the decision again to, to give our tithe and offering. And uh, that happened, and the very next day is a Monday again. I got a call for an in-plant inter interview with that company. So then again, uh, now I'm into December, nothing's happened, haven't heard anything, and I'm, I'm not doubting, but I'm doubting. It's, and I, I want to believe, but uh, we, again, I had to make that decision on a Sunday. We're going to give our tithe and offering. I did that again on Monday, and uh, he, I got the job offer. So I was able to step from one job right into the other, 
take the bonus. We had four, uh, four kids, three of them were in college, I think, at the time, and, and that was a real blessing to us at that, or two of them were, I don't know, they were all in college. So, but yeah, that was a real blessing to us. Yeah, and so there was like that direct obedience step of faith each Sunday, and then there was a, like something happened on each Monday. That's so yes. interesting, right? Um, and then, so, the so now the real big story, okay? So this one right here, just, I love this story because it has to do with an, a, a truck. So tell us about the truck. You're yes. going to love this. And I keep correcting you, Anthony. I've been doing that since you were 12. They're all big stories. I know, I know, I okay. know. But this one right here, Greg, right. it's so good. So my son, um, in junior or so in high school, he wanted to learn to work on um, vehicles. So I said, hey, let's, let's go buy a truck. And, uh, and I wanted a 1981 short bed Chevy truck. And, and reasons for that, you ask me later, but that's what I wanted us to, to take on. And I didn't have a lot of money. Again, a lot of kids in college. I said, Caleb, we're going to trust that God will bless us with a good deal on a truck. I insisted that the truck have, I wanted to have a decent body on the truck. I don't like doing the body work, and I wanted it to be runnable. Um, and I wanted that for not very much money. So I started looking, uh, and I'm, I'm Googling things. My, my kids taught me Google in 2010, I think it was. <laughs> okay. Um, is that right? Googling, is that something? I think that's right, okay. yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking all across. Maybe I was Craigslisting. I, I, I was doing something. I'm looking for a, for a truck, and I'm looking in Arizona, Tennessee, um, Florida. I remember looking up these trucks, and they either had a, a terrible body to the truck and a good engine or no engine and a good body. And I, I wanted both. And we looked five or six weeks, and, and I'm... I'm going to give up and said, okay, let's, let's, I know I have a friend who has a, uh, a Jeep, an old Jeep. Let's buy the Jeep. We'll work on it. So I call him up, ask him about his Jeep. He says, I don't have a Jeep, but I got a guy who works for me. He has a truck he wants to get rid of. So now, mind you, I've looked Florida, a lot, lots of places. And I said, okay, well, give me his number. I called him up and he, where do you live? Well, so I had to walk out my back door walked to the next road, roughly a half a mile, uh, roughly to the, the very next road, walk in his backyard. He's got a 1981 short bed Chevy truck that he sold to me for $250, good body, towed it home, sprayed the engine with that uh, engine starter, ether, whatever it was, and it started right up. And that was See, an awesome- I told you. That was an awesome thing, and I just want to say that um, God has done that in our lives with many little things and many big things, and uh, and I believe it's because we're 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 trying to do what we can for Him, and yeah, He does that it's to like us all the time. As we're faithful, He's faithful. We as believe we're that. faithful. You know, Malachi, I think it's chapter three, talks about. Uh, don't not robbing God, and, and we've tried not to do that. I'm not going to say we've been perfect, but we've tried not to do that. So yeah, and, and I think you said it's, I mean, some people label that as coincidence. We we label that as God, God incidents or God something. I mean, yeah, it's 
Yeah, some people say, well, that just happened. And that doesn't just happen. God, God did that for us. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so, so cool. much, man, for sharing one good story, one great story. And he's got two more decent stories. I got a lot he'll of share, good stories. He'll share with you out in the lobby. So thanks again. Let's, yeah, you want to say something? Well, I thought you said I was doing like a solo, a Whitney Houston solo or something. <laughs> no, that's a couple so, more okay. weeks. All Wait right. for that. Thank, hey, give it up for Greg. Thanks so much. So let's get into week four of Who Needs God. Here we go. We have been everywhere. From the highest peaks to the deepest fathoms. We have seen everything from the smallest elements to the farthest corners of space. We have built empires, defied gravity, conquered the elements. We have cured diseases, made a heart beat again, made the impossible possible again. Who are we? We are humanity. And there is no limit to what we can accomplish together. So it's, it's such an interesting video that we've been watching kind of leading into each week of this. This is week four of a six-week series called Who Needs God? And uh, the video is so interesting. It talks about all, all that you know, we've accomplished and, you know, we've been everywhere. We've seen everything. Uh, we've built empires, defied gravity, made the impossible possible. And the, the closing line of the video is we are humanity and there is no limit to what we can accomplish together. For example... Who would have ever thought we would come up with pillows that took the idea of the pillow fight to the next level? Check this out. Pillow fighting has always been great. But, like, this is human ingenuity at its finest, combining pillows and weapons together. If you are in a life group, here is your next step from today. Write it down. You're going to get together this week. You're going to order a set of these babies right here. And you are going to remove all the breakables from the living room. And you are going to watch a three-minute clip of the movie Braveheart to get inspired. And then you're just going to charge the center and take video of that and share it with the world, okay? Um, here, here's a, another example. Have you ever had this problem right here. You just can't get the cat to cooperate with a picture. There is no limit to what humans can accomplish. We have cured this problem. Check it out. It's called the cat selfie. Let, let me just read you a description of this product because this is epic, friends. This is so good. The cat selfie, a phone accessory that offers an easier way to capture the best side of your cat. Simply position the device onto the top section of your smartphone as seen. As you position the camera in front of them, the hanging bell will instantly capture their attention. Hence, they will look into your phone's camera direction. And that will be your chance to, to capture the perfect selfie. Huh? 1995 on Amazon. Get it while it lasts, all right? Uh, one more. This is my favorite of all, okay? And it's too late for our family, but if, if you're thinking about bringing a baby into this world, or you are bringing a baby into this world, if you recently have, this is amazing. I mean, just think about it. All babies do is take, take, take. It's all about them. Freeload on the family, but now they have a way to give back. It's called the baby mop, all right? So check that out. I don't know how much it is. I didn't, I didn't look that up. If you got twins, man, 
just get the whole, I can do the whole floor. So, and, and we're having fun, right? But, but seriously, I mean, back, back to the video, like we really have advanced so much as humanity. And especially in the last 15 to 20 years uh, from automobile advancements and computers and smartphone technology and uh, w- ways of communicating with people that, that like generations like 50 years ago would have thought was science fiction. Like there's no way that's ever going to happen. And, and the modern mindset says, kind of what the video says, that humanity has finally developed to the point of solving the problems and mysteries of life. I mean, there's no limit to what we can accomplish But I I want us to think about this critically this morning. How have we really done? I mean, let's honestly think about this. Have we, in our modern advanced age, with all our technology and all our empirical investigation and, and all of our data, have we really made progress when it comes to the big issues and mysteries of life? I mean, I think we can all agree that technology and advancements, it's made life better in so many ways. I mean, for one, it's made life safer. Life is just safer than it used to be with technology and advancements. Uh, It's made life more comfortable, like way more comfortable. Anybody fans of air conditioning in the room? That's a pretty awesome thing, right? I mean, just all kinds of comforts, creature comforts that we've advanced in. Think of how we've surpassed our ancestors in in medicine and in science. and, 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 And think of how much less brutal and unjust to minorities many societies are today compared to just 50 or 100 years ago. I mean, in so many ways, human life has been transformed, and yet although we are unimaginably more wealthy and more comfortable than our ancestors, no one is arguing that we are significantly more satisfied or happier than they were. And and modern psychology would definitely agree with my assessment today that an area of life we haven't seemed to advance in at all, despite all of our improvements, is satisfaction in life. When you think about it, I mean, with all the other advancements, it's kind of shocking to think about how we haven't advanced at all in this area. I don't think anyone can or is making the case that we are more happier or more satisfied than previous generations. And the most obvious indicator of this, of course, is the massive rise in depression rates and suicide in our culture. And let me just make it more personal. Let me ask a a more direct question to you. Have you, in this modern advanced world, Learn the secret of happiness and satisfaction. Have you learned it? And, and, and does that secret even exist? And what does that have to do with a series entitled Who Needs God? So if you were here last Sunday, you probably noticed, if you've been here for this series, we, we kind of shifted gears last Sunday in the direction we were going to go for the last four weeks of this. Because in week one, we just started talking about the why of the series. We just talked about, what, I mean, why are we doing a series called Who Needs God? And we said, because more and more people are asking the question, do I need God? And coming to the conclusion that, you know, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I need God anymore. Or maybe even a step further, like, no, I, I just don't think I need God anymore. Or maybe a step further, no, I don't need God anymore. And may, maybe they, they don't label themselves atheists yet. They're not willing to go there. And, and again, maybe I'm talking about you or someone you know or spouse, coworker, kid. Like, you, you're not ready to say I'm an atheist yet, but, like, you're just not sure if you believe anymore. 23% of the American population now uh, identifies as nuns, no religious affiliation. It's the fastest growing belief system or, you know, belief-less system in, in America right now. So we talked about why in week one. Last, or in week two, Joel, he talked about gods of the New Testament. And, and like if you've take, taken some steps away from faith and away from God, 
Maybe it's because you have a false idea about who God is. And he challenged us with those false ideas and said, hey, if that's what you believe God to be, then take a step back toward faith because God is not that. And then last week, we, again, we shifted gears last week and we started diving into areas of life that are really difficult to work through without God. I mean, last week we talked about uh, our search for meaning and, and the difficulties that arise when we take God out of the equation. And today we're going to talk about satisfaction and happiness. And, and like, what do these emotional and psychological conditions, you might even say heart conditions, have to do with God? And listen, today, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be some heady stuff today, all right? Are, are, I need you to be all in for the next 15 or so minutes. We're going to dive a little bit deep for about 15 minutes here with some information that is very important to bring us to a section of some inspiration, I hope, at the end. So let me scan the room again this week and see we are way more engaged than we were last Sunday. It must have been the music. Okay, awesome. So let's, let's just dive into this. And what I want to do to start, I want to zoom out from just our topic of the day, satisfaction and happiness, I want to zoom out to the bigger picture of the book that I challenged everybody to read in correlation with this series called Making Sense of God by Timothy Keller. It's a book I challenge you to read. Some of you are reading it. Some of you are not. Some of you like it. Some of you do not. I've heard it. Okay, so, but I, I challenge you to read it. But what's great about Sunday is we can, we can kind of bring the book to life, I think. And, and Timothy Keller, the author of the book, he said, like, the reason he's still a Christ follower and, and, and says that we still need God in our world is because of three main premises, three main ideas. And I'm, I'm totally with him on this. And here's the three ideas, he says. He says, I'm still a Christ follower. I still believe in God because of the faith it takes to doubt it, it being a belief in God, the problems we have without it, and the beauty we see within it. And I'm going to explain these really quick, you know, zoom it out and then zoom it back into our topic of the day, satisfaction, apply this to it. Uh, and so first, think about the faith it takes to doubt it, to doubt a belief in God. One of the many reasons I still embrace Christianity and, and embrace a strong belief in God is because, of all, because all of my doubts are always based on a leap of faith that is harder to justify than the thing I'm doubting. Make sense? Not quite. Okay, <laughs> we got we to gotta dive into this a little bit. Let me put it on the screen. This will really help. And this is just, if we can get this and capture at least a piece of this, oh man, this is so huge and foundational. Every time, this is just me, every time I doubt something within my faith, as I think through it, I eventually come to realize that my doubt takes a bigger leap of faith to believe than my currently held belief. And if that's still not making sense, here, here's an example. Uh, like, and and we'll, we'll all relate to this. We've all heard this. We've, maybe we've dealt with this doubt right here. Uh, a big doubt that creeps into people's minds about belief in God is, like, I can't believe in God because there's so much evil and suffering in the world. But think about it. When, when we have that doubt of, I can't believe in God because of the evil and suffering in the world, what we are actually saying is, because I can't think of any good reason that God would allow evil and suffering in the world, then there can't be any good reason. Because I can't think of a good reason for suffering in the world, that means there can't be a good reason, therefore I can't believe in God anymore. But why in the world, if there is a God, more specifically the Christian God, the God of the Bible, the God that is all-knowing, ever-present, and is all about pulling purpose out of humans' pain, why couldn't he think of a reason that we can't? 
See, when we dismiss God because of suffering in the world, we are taking a leap of faith to doubt that God couldn't think of a reason for suffering just because we can't think of a reason. We're putting a level of faith in our understanding of the world, in our understanding of suffering. And see, classical thinkers, philosophers, they, they, they rarely thought of suffering as a way to dismiss God. Do you know why? Because they're way more humble than modern human beings. Like, we're so prideful now. We, we just assume that we, like, have the power of God, and we're all-knowing, we're ever-present, and we somehow know better. Our ancestors would have never been as arrogant as we are. And, and let me just say this as a pastor. Like, I, I am definitely not a philosopher. I am not a Christian apologist. I am not near smart enough to dive into these materials as deeply as they do and kind of wrestle with this as deeply as they do. I'm just a pastor, and in being a pastor, I have, I've had the honor of walking through many different difficulties and suffering things with many different people. And, and speaking from experience, I have seen firsthand so much purpose in people's pain over the years, in my pain over the years. I, I was reminded as I was going through this talk this week, I, there was a student in, in, in our student ministry in southern Indiana. He became a Christ follower. His mom became a Christ follower, and they found hope in Jesus because of their dad's terminal cancer battle. And it brought that whole family to faith. It brought that whole family to hope. Like people that, that get hope in a, in a situation where everybody on the outside of that situation, not in that situation, would have thought it was hopeless. But somehow God does something to pull purpose out of that pain. And the Christian understanding of suffering is that God always brings purpose out of pain. And I just believe it takes more faith to doubt that an all-knowing, all-loving, all-present God couldn't bring purpose out of anything. So that, that, I hope that makes some more sense. Let's throw those statements. So that's the faith it takes to doubt it. Now we could go through this with different Bible passages or whatever, but there, there's always a level of faith we put in our doubts as well. So I'm still a Christ follower because of the faith it takes to doubt it, the problems we have without it. There are massive emotional, cultural, and rational problems when we take God out of the picture. We talked about it last week. Like, it is hard, I believe, impossible to have ultimate meaning in our life apart from God. We can create our own meaning. We talked about that last week if you were here. But it won't last. It won't work. I didn't say this last week. It relates to the suffering thing. If you create your own meaning in life, I guarantee you that will not hold up under the pressure of suffering and, and the difficulties of life. It just won't. So, like, the problems we have without it, we're going to talk about that with our subject today. Um, and then the final reason for continuing to believe in Christianity and God is the beauty we see within it. As we talked about the worldview of meaning and purpose with God last week, I hope you saw the beauty within that meaning. And we're going to see that again today with today's topic of satisfaction and happiness. There's, there's so much beauty in the Christian worldview when it comes to today's topic. So I just thought those three things, like especially if you're skeptical of, of God or, or even for Christ followers, this just grounds our faith even more. So I want to talk about those last two statements in relation to satisfaction in life. And we're going to go back to our buddy Solomon. 
We read a passage of scripture from Solomon last week, and if you remember that passage, you're like, man, I got depressed just hearing you read that passage, Anthony. Well, guess what? I'm going to read it one more time, and I'm going to add one more statement to the end. We stopped kind of mid-verse last week, so you got to bear with about five verses that we read last week, and then we're going to bring it together at the end. Okay, so hang with me on this. Here's what Solomon said. This, we'll, we'll talk about him in a second. He said, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? And if you were here, maybe you remember some of this. He keeps going. He talks about generations. They come, they go. The earth never changes. The sun rises, it sets. It hurries to rise again. You know, there's just no meaning. It just, the same thing happens over and over. The wind blows south, turns north, around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Let's keep going. Rivers run into the sea. The sea's never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers. It flows again to the sea. He's like, again, just things just happen over and over. There's no meaning to it. And this is where we ended it last week. Everything is wearisome beyond description. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Solomon. I mean, this is where he got to, though, toward the end of his life. This is, where, this is what he was wrestling with. But we stop there. Here's what he ends the verse with. And I'm going to need your help here. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied no matter how much we hear, we are not content. Here's what I didn't say last week. Solomon had it all. Seriously. I mean, read chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. That'd be a great next step. He had the big house. House says. I mean, multiple palaces. He had the beautiful woman. Women. Like hundreds of women. That, that might have been the issue, right? I mean, but, I mean he, had all, he had everything. He was brilliant. I mean, he had more wealth than you could ever use up in a lifetime. Most powerful man in the world at this time. And yet, he gets to this point in life, he's like, but I'm never satisfied. See, here's the big picture of what Solomon is communicating in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wasn't just battling the fear of meaningless. We talked about that last week. He was battling the disappointment of success. It wasn't just he was feeling like life was pointless. He was feeling like I got to this point and it's just like nothing inside of me feels right still. Like what's going on? I'm not content still. And, and Solomon lived about 3,000 years ago. And as we think about this topic today, you know, as I was talking earlier, man, in 3,000 years, we have not progressed at all when it comes to satisfaction and happiness and contentment. Let's just move through the centuries a little bit and talk about this. Fast forward a 1,000 years from Solomon, this classical writer and thinker, philosopher named Horace. He said this. He's very simple. Nobody lives content. That's his assessment at the end of his life. Nobody lives content. In the early 1900s, Wallace Stevens, a Pulitzer Prize winning author, says, even in contentment, I still feel the need of some imperishable bliss. He's like, even when everything lines up in the world for me, it's like there's still this nagging thing that something outside of the world should be there, some imperishable thing. Uh, and we all know uh, the greatest philosophers of the baby boom gen generation 50 years ago were familiar with one of their quotes. Uh, the Rolling Stones, they said, I try and I try and I try and I try and I can't get no what. Yeah, you guys know it. Rolling Stones. Um, 
And see, I, the first number one hit by the Rolling Stones, by the way, uh, the, the song Satisfaction, we think of it as I can't get no satisfaction. And I, I mean, I believe that song was a number one hit, not just because of the great guitar lick and the cool melody or whatever, but, it, but because everyone listens to that song and they're like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's my life. We relate to this. Four years after the Rolling Stones released Satisfaction, singer Peggy Lee released a song, and we're probably not as familiar with this. She really released the song, Is That All There Is? And she, t- like in the, in the song, she tells the story, and she says at the end of it, Is That All There Is? And another story, and Is That All There Is? And just sings that phrase over and over again. And then she gets to the end of the song, and you can YouTube this if you're not familiar with it. And she does this like spoken word thing over the music. And here's what she says. She says, I suppose you're wondering why if I feel this way about life, I don't just end it all. And I've thought about it, but I'm almost positive that death will be just as disappointing. So I'm not going to end my life because that will be just as disappointing as life, so I might as well live in disappointment. I know that's pretty morbid, right? A few years ago, a woman named Cynthia Heimel She's a playwright, a television writer. She actually passed away last year, but just a couple years ago, she wrote an article, kind of, you know, had been through this great career as a writer and, you know, wrote all kinds of creative elements for TV and movies. And she talked about, it was about satisfaction, and she talks about all these different actors that she was great friends with. And she knew them before they had their big break when they were working at a retail store, Macy's, or uh, working valet. And she names the actors. I won't go into the names. You'd be familiar with every one of them. Um, But she, she just talks about how she knew them before the big break, knew them after their big break, and she says this about every single one of them. And she might have lost some friends over this. She says the giant thing they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness, it happened and nothing changed. They were still them And the disillusionment turned them into angrier and nastier people than they were before. And listen to what she says after that. We'll throw it on the screen. This is pretty dark. She says, I believe that if God wants to play a rotten practical joke on us, he grants us our deepest wish and then giggles merrily as we begin to realize we want to kill ourselves. See, that that thing we thought was going to make everything right in us, it didn't. And listen, at this point, if if you're skeptical about God and and church, and and maybe maybe even pastors like me, you're probably thinking, okay, Anthony, I've heard these stories before of like the disillusioned Hollywood millionaires and the rich athletes and the rock stars and how, you know, they arrived at this point, but it didn't really fulfill what they wanted it to. And, you know, but but I'm going to be different like, if, if I reach my goal, if I, if I get to where I want to be, I'm going to be different. And I, I just need to say this bluntly out of love. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't be different. Because nobody ever is different. I mean, I just gave us a few examples that spanned 3,000 years of history. The verdict is in on this, friends. And by the way, if you're a teenager or young adult in the room and and you'll just submit to this truth now, like it could change the course of your life. It could change the quality of your life, the longevity of your life, the satisfaction of your life. If if you could just admit that that thing that you're sure right now is going to make you content and satisfied, that great career or that right spouse or that amount of money, that it's not, I mean, that, that it's part of the equation, but it's just a part 
that your satisfaction in life must come from a deeper, richer place than success or accomplishment or dreams or goals or relationships. It's, it's kind of like this. Let's throw this on the screen. There's a difference between being full and being satisfied. How many of you have been on a diet before? We can admit this together, okay? We're a real authentic church. I need to go on a diet. I've gained some weight this summer. I'm being vulnerable, okay? I, and, and usually when I go on a diet, I go on like a low-carb diet. It's the easiest for me, and it works pretty quick. It sheds some weight and some inches, all that. But anytime I go on a low-carb diet, I might leave the dinner table full. I never leave satisfied. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can go to a buffet, you don't get any potatoes and nachos and all the stuff that God made for us to enjoy. You, you will leave full. You will not leave satisfied. Let, let me give us this. This, this really like connected with me. Um, it, really interesting information. There's this, there's this plant in Australia that grows called the Nardu plant. And the cloves of this plant can be made into bread. But the plant contains no proteins, no carbohydrates, or no vitamins. Zero essential elements for sustaining life. Yet when you eat it and it's edible, you feel full after eating it. But if you were to only eat bread made from this plant over a long period of time, you would die. And I just see that this world is so similar. I mean, it can fill us sometimes, but it doesn't truly satisfy. There's a difference between being full and being satisfied. And I think success and careers and relationships, they do bring a level of fullness to our lives, but they never truly satisfy. But again, if, if you're skeptical, maybe, you're, maybe at this point you're like, okay, but like just because humans are often unsatisfied doesn't mean there is a God. I mean, shouldn't we just lower our expectations? And, and you're right. Like, I'm not proving that there's a God today by talking about satisfaction in life. I mean, there's all kinds of other topics we could look at to bring evidence to God existing and all that. I'm just trying to point out the problems we have when we remove God from the equation. And why wouldn't you want this to be true? Why wouldn't you want to seek this out as truth? But let's talk about it. Because maybe you're like, but maybe we just lower our expectations, Anthony, and that's how we feel content. Can I give you one more quote? Does your brain have enough room for this? Okay, it's a really simple one. G.K. Chesterton, he says, there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue, continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. And we've already talked about accumulate more. That's the American way, right? I just need to get that thing. I just need to get that relationship. That's how I feel satisfied. But the other option is to desire less. And actually, many Eastern religions, like this is their strategy, they often teach that you shouldn't try to fulfill your desires. Rather, control and manage your desires. Don't become too emotionally attached to anything, even relationships. Because then if that thing goes away or that job goes away or that relationship goes away, it, you won't feel the deep loss that comes, the deep dissatisfaction that comes from the loss. But that doesn't work either. Because so much research shows that succeeding in life and reaching our goals and having good relationships, it does matter, okay? And having close relationships, it does matter. So the, the desire less, lower your expectation strategy, it doesn't work either. 
And, and Americans, we don't even try that anyway. We're, we live in capitalism. We want to accumulate more. That's what it's about here. Anyway, but neither of these things work. And I think G.K. Chesterton, he was missing a third option. What, what about not, not accumulate more or desire less? What about this? What about desire something different? See, what if the answer to satisfaction and happiness in life was changing the source of our desire? What if it wasn't found in, you know, accumulating more or desiring less? What if it was found in desiring something different? What if it was found in changing the location of our longing? Well, that's what Jesus taught, the God that I follow, the God we celebrate every Sunday at Revolution. Here's what he said. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. See, Jesus says that the answer to satisfaction, to having contentment in life, is found in what we're longing for, what we're hungry and thirsty for. Like You don't become satisfied by accumulating more, by somehow reaching a level in life. We have thousands of years of history that speak to this. You do not become satisfied by like, uh, deflecting your desires or you know, lowering your expectations. Jesus is saying that the answer is in having a different desire, hunger and thirsting for something different. Um, guys, have you ever... like? planned a date night with your girlfriend or your spouse. Guys, come on. Have you done that? Raise your hand if you've planned a date night at some point. And by planned, I just mean like you set a date. Okay, how many, like, we're going to go on a date Friday, keep your schedule clear. That's what planned means. That's all you got. So you get in the car with your significant other for this date that you planned, and you're like, so where do you want to go eat? (laughs) And your wife or girlfriend's like, I don't know. I mean, you planned this. Where, where do you want to go eat? And, and you're like, well, I mean, this is about you. I want to go where you want to go eat. So you tell me where you want to go. She's like, I don't want that pressure, okay? I'm going to say something, and you're going to say no, and then we're going to, where do you pick it? I want you to leave this chart. Who's played that game before? You know what I'm talking about? Way more hands on that than the date. So you guys, okay, you're with me on that. See, I'm convinced that life apart from God is like that. That we're just so confused on where we need to go to fill the hunger in us. So we go after something that we think is going to have satisfaction attached to the end of it. And then when we arrive, it does have some temporary contentment that we're there for a little while. We're like, ah, that didn't work. So we go after something else and we get there a little bit of contentment that didn't work. So we go after someone else and someone else. And then then finally, okay, none of that works. So I'm just going to lower my expectations. I'm going to deflect the desire. And that doesn't work either. And Jesus is like, no, none of that works. Here's what Jesus says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That's what Jesus says. I'm it. Okay. I am what you really need to be satisfied. You cannot find satisfaction in life apart from me. You can try and you can try and you can try and you can try, but you will not arrive at a place of satisfaction. It might fill you temporarily, but it will not satisfy you. See, cause every, here, here's what I know. Every person in the room this morning has a soul. Every person in this world has a soul, and there's nothing within us or nothing in this world that can truly satisfy our soul. We must go to a different source. You cannot find satisfaction on your own. When when you're physically hungry, do you tell your stomach, feed yourself? 
No, you must go to an outside source to feed your stomach. Just like for our soul, there is an outside source we must go to. Let's look at John 6 one more time in different words underlined. Look at this. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever, let's say this word, comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And maybe you're like, man, it is 12.07 p.m. on a Sunday. We talked about barbecue an hour ago. And Anthony, I am getting hungry. This, I mean, you just keep talking about this verse and bread and nardu plant. I don't know how that makes you hungry. But like, yeah, I'm getting hungry and my, my stomach's starting to turn. And I think the person next to me is maybe even noticing this. It's getting embarrassing in here. Guess what? Nothing will happen to that hunger until you do something about it. And with our soul, nothing will happen with that hunger deep in us until we do what Jesus says. And we come and we believe. And and some of you, you've taken this step. And and maybe you're sitting there like, okay, well, I don't need to hear this because I've already done that. I've already followed the Jesus thing. So here's, you don't don't escape this without thinking about something else, okay? Here's what what I want you to think about. If if you would say, I already know this, I believe, I've, I've I've come to Jesus. You know, I've had that moment. Then do you feel satisfied and content in life? And if not, why not? Like your, your job is to think, if I know this and, I'm, fun, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in with Jesus, am I fundamentally and consistently satisfied? And if not, why not? And here's my take on it. I believe if you're feeling that way, it's because you've lost some of your hunger for God. Because God always works in our lives according to our desires. Jesus said, blessed are those who are hungry, for they will be satisfied. And maybe your prayer just needs to be this morning, like, God, make me hungry again. God, make me hungry for you again. Because I used to be. I used to be, man. I used to, like Jesus with everything. He was right there. He walked every step of this journey with me and I didn't do anything without him and, and I, I felt him there and I, I, I just wanted to know him more. That was the purpose and meaning of my life. Everything was about him. But I've lost some of that hunger. You know, a loss of appetite in our physical body indicates illness. And I think in the, in the spiritual world, it indicates, man, we've been trying to fill uh, like that void in us with, with things that, I mean, they fill it temporarily, but they don't truly satisfy let me end with this, and I wish I could go deeper with this, but I, I'll just keep it surface. So there's this story in the Old Testament of the Bible of the people of Israel. They're in slavery for over four centuries to Egypt. God sets them free. They're in the wilderness. They're hungry. And they cry out to God, and he sends them this miracle bread thing called manna. We don't even know what it looked like. Or, I mean, just this amazing thing that, that f- feeds them, that, that gives them the nutrients they need to survive. And Moses, the leader of Israel, later on, he talks about that event, and he says this. Yes, he, that's God, humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it. There's like purpose in this. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Here's here's the closing question. What if God's strategy of every human being having this deep longing and dissatisfaction with our life and with our world, what if it wasn't a practical joke 
like Cynthia Heimel suggested, what if God's strategy in life was to let us go hungry so we would wake up to our need for him, the source of life and satisfaction and hope and everything we need, friends? Can we just stand together? I don't, I don't know where you're at with this. Maybe, maybe like you're, you're getting to that point like, man, this is making some sense. I, I might be ready to take a step this morning. Or uh, like, I, I just, I'm one of those, I've lost some of my hungry, hunger. I need a moment today to shift me back to that hunger for God. And I'm just going to pray over us as an assembly of people that God just does something unique as we get ready to sing a closing song. God, I just pray right now. I've been so excited to get to this week because I know that this could be the day that shifts us back to you. This could be the day for those that have fallen from faith and, and lost their belief in you, but they're here and they're hearing this and it's making some sense. This could be the day that things change. And as we hear this truth saying over us, that something would shift in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this final song, the prayer room is open over here to your left in the back. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you just need time to pray with someone else. Take advantage of that. But uh, you guys just sing this song over us today.
those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Guys, we're gonna thirst after righteousness today. We're gonna, we're gonna give honor to God. He's gonna change this atmosphere. Sing this out with me. Sweet wine, all you heavens. Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All these children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Sweet wine, all you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All these children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. From my heart, you guys can have a seat for just a second. Uh, just from my heart as your pastor to you, like, l- let today not be just one of those Sundays where you walk out like, oh, that was good. That was a good Sunday. Let it be a shifting Sunday. Like, as, as you're thinking about all of this and wherever you're at on that spectrum of, you know, belief in God and faith and, and closeness to him and hunger for him, let this be a move in his direction.